Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Check it out. So, who broke it? I'm not mad. I just want to know. I did. I broke no, it. No, no, you didn't. Tom? Don't look at me. Look at Ben. What? I didn't break it. Huh, that's weird. How'd you even know it was broken? Because it's sitting right in front of us and it's broken. Suspicious. No, it's not. If, if it matters, probably not, but April was the last one to use. Liar! I don't even drink that crap! Oh, really? Then what were you doing by the coffee cart earlier? I used the wooden stars to push back my cuticles. Everyone knows that. Okay, Jerry. Okay, let's not fight. I broke it. Let me pay for it, Ron. No! Who broke it? Ron. Donna's been awfully quiet. Really? Yeah, really. I broke it. It burned my hand, so I punched it. I predict 10 minutes from now, they'll be at each other's throats with war paint on their faces and a pig head on a stick. Good. It was getting a little chummy around here. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Jamie, and I'm the Revive Young Adult Minister, and I just want to continue to welcome you here tonight, whether you braved the one inch of snow that we don't know how to drive in anymore, uh, or if you're watching from online, uh, wherever it is that you are, we're really glad that you're here. This is the last week in this February sermon series that we've been doing called Emotionally Healthy Relationships. We've been following some of the curriculum in a book called Emotionally Healthy Relationships by Pete and Jerry Scazzaro, and it's been really awesome. I thought about extending this series a little bit because it's been really great, but I'm really excited about the new series that we're starting next week, so we're just going to end this one here. And I don't know if this is ironic. I don't think it's funny, but we're talking about conflict today, and I woke up this morning, saw the news, and was like, we're talking about conflict tonight. Like, this just feels like it's too much um, or heavy, or I don't, I don't think it's funny. God, might be kind of chuckling a little bit. I don't know. Um, I just know. I just know that my mind is on global conflict tonight. We're not talking about global conflict. We're talking just about interpersonal relationships. Specifically, we're talking about fighting clean versus fighting dirty. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what that means. Um, and tonight also is going to function a little bit less like a sermon and a little bit more like just some teaching, some tips and tricks, and then we have some friends who are going to be here and talk about conflict and their relationship with us. And I am so excited about it. So um, one of the things that has helped me when I think about conflict and fighting clean, um, either interpersonally or on like a business level with friends, whatever, is this idea that when we have conflict and it's usually public, that's often when it is handled poorly. We see examples uh, maybe in the news. We see examples um, on social media of people who blew something up and it becomes public because it was handled poorly and it becomes handled poorly because it's often handled in a public manner. Conflict handled well is often private, which usually means the only examples that we have are poor examples of how to handle conflict. And so it's really actually a bummer that we don't have a ton of good public examples of conflict handled well, but generally by nature, 
good conflict or healthy conflict is handled privately. So just an interesting reality for us to know as we get into how to start practicing um, some, some healthy conflict because conflict can be healthy and is actually necessary for building of relationships. And so as people of faith, as people of God, um, maybe you're like, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. Or maybe you're like, I'm on the fence um, or I'm, I'm just kind of curious or interested. Here's the thing is <laughs> most often Christians might become a follower of Jesus and be transformed in some areas of their life, but not have an area of their life that handles with conflict, grow, or change, or mature. And so Pete Schizero writes in the book, Emotionally Healthy Relationships, a core discipleship issue for all followers in the new family of Jesus is to learn how to resolve conflicts maturely. I don't know about you, but I know for me and for so many of the people that I know, we handle conflict in the same way that our family of origin handled conflict. So maybe for you, you can think about my family was really loud when it came to conflict and you knew when somebody was mad, you knew when somebody had gotten under somebody else's skin, when somebody else was being a thorn in their side, like everybody knew about it, people were being really loud. Maybe in your family um, of origin or wherever it is that you grew up, conflicts were swept under the rug and we acted as if they didn't happen. And then maybe eventually some of the tension just eased and things went away. So often the way that we handle conflict hasn't been transformed by the love of Jesus, by the light of Jesus. And in the new rules of the family of Jesus, we just kind of continue to do the same old, same old. And I would (laughs) maybe present to you that that hasn't really gotten us uh, in, in a healthy place. Um, in our lives. And so anyway, we're going to talk about how we do conflict well and how we can skill up for the task at hand. Um, We talked about this a couple weeks ago. There is a presidential election coming up again in a few years. And I was at a conference recently, the Alpha Conference down in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, A couple of you in the room got to go as well. They talked about like, okay, yeah, this is uh, a good time for church leaders, for community leaders, for us as people um, who are trying to be formed in the way of Jesus to not wait until things blow up again, which also here we are today. Um, but now is a time. Now is a really good time to really begin to think intentionally about how we love one another well through our disagreements and through our conflicts and how Jesus actually brings us together as a family even when we don't like each other um, or agree with one another. And so Jesus writes uh, in in the scripture reading that Jesus writes, Jesus didn't write, he said it. <laughs> uh, but Jesus, I know, right? Maybe he did write it. Oh, uh, that's another message for another time. Uh, Jesus said in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, if you're familiar with the section called the Beatitudes, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Um, Maybe that's the version you're familiar with, or maybe um, you're familiar with the version in the NLT. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. That blessed are the peacemakers, the people who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And so often as people of God, as followers of Jesus, we take this and we try to run with it and say like, okay, I'm gonna be a peacemaker. And so this conflict floats across my path and I'm gonna do what I can to maybe just go around it and act like it's not there because I'm, I'm, I'm making peace and I'm just gonna kind of act as if 
I just can keep going with my life and pretend that I'm like, well, I'm turning the other cheek. Jesus isn't asking us to turn the other cheek. That's actually a mistranslation when we apply turning the other cheek to making peace. Because the difference between being a peace, there is a difference between keeping peace and making peace. And Jesus doesn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. There's some making in the making of peace. There's not an ignoring or an avoiding. There's actually a, a confronting and a leaning in and a stepping towards. Maybe not calling people out, but maybe calling people in to a conversation to deepen relationship. So when we look at Jesus and how Jesus handled conflict, Jesus brought disruption in order to bring true peace. Jesus flipped tables. That wasn't an avoidance of, of difficulty. Jesus said, woe to you, religious leaders, and got really spicy with them a lot of times. Jesus didn't actually avoid conflict or appease people. He faced it. And Jesus didn't ignore tensions or differences. When we act or think that we like, need to avoid things or that, uh, that we can just pretend that conflict or tension will go away, we're not actually walking in the way of Jesus. So there are ways for us to step into relationship building via handling conflict. And that's where clean fighting versus dirty fighting comes in. So we're gonna just talk a little bit about clean fighting, dirty fighting, and then we're gonna have Ben and Katie come on up, which I'm really excited about. So clean fighting, according to Emotionally Healthy Relationships, the book is a clean fight is about breaking negative generational patterns through the spirit of God. Breaking generational patterns is generally not something that we just do on our own. We can do it on our own. In my experience, the Holy Spirit is usually involved because it's big and it involves breaking big things. So a clean fight is about breaking negative generational patterns through the Spirit of God. A clean fight is also a negotiation between two people for the sake of the relationship. For the sake of the what? For the sake of the relationship. The relationship. A clean fight is for the sake of not being right or asserting dominance or making sure everybody knew who the smarter, was, smarter one was in the room. A clean fight is a negotiation for the sake of the good and the health of the relationship. So clean fighting is key. Here's what clean fighting does not look like. <laughs> here are a couple dirty fighting tactics and you can see them here on the screen. Silent treatment, walking away, lecturing, Blaming, avoiding, shouting, threatening gestures, using things like always and never, name-calling, anger and rage, sarcasm, hitting, violence, denying, showing contempt. These are not relationship-building tactics. <laughs> um, and it, maybe you've experienced some of these. Maybe you've felt some of these. These aren't things that build relationships. These are what our, um, Pete and Jerry Scazzaro call dirty fighting tactics. So how do we avoid these things and fight clean? Well, here are some steps. These are small words. I'm risking death by PowerPoint, but I really love the steps that, uh, that they outlined here um, in the book, just um, talking about steps for a clean fight. Now, these maybe are things that you already do. These might be things that are natural to you. And if that's the case, let this serve as a brush up for you. Or maybe you just notice one new thing, or this is a good reminder for you in a conflict that you're in, you're like, oh yeah, this is a good idea for me to implement. Maybe these are new ideas for you. 
Regardless, I invite you to just kind of take this in, take what you need uh, for the situations that you might be in. So steps to a clean fight. First, ask permission. State the problem. I notice, like I'm noticing this thing. I'm noticing, um, like this example in the book, as a college student is maybe graduated and living back at home. Um, Example, mom, I noticed that ever since I moved back from college, you regularly give me advice. It's not like, mom, you always blah, blah, blah. Mom, you never listen to me, blah, blah, blah. You don't trust me. Mom, I notice. I notice this tension. I notice this behavior. I notice that this is how I'm feeling. And then state why it's important to you. I notice it and I value being an adult. I value having an adult-to-adult relationship with you rather than an adult-to-child relationship with you. This is really important. I wanna have a good relationship with you, mom, and so I wanted to bring this up because you are important to me and our relationship is important to me and I value you. And then you can fill in the blanks. When you blank, I feel blank. Now, here's the thing. So often when we say, when you blank, I feel blank, it's like when you... Um, repeatedly load the dishwasher with the forks facing down instead of the forks facing up, which is the right way to load a dishwasher, in my humble opinion. Thank you. Thank you. Um, When you do this, I feel like you don't love me. I feel like you don't. (laughs) I I know, we we went right for it. I feel like you don't respect me. I feel like you don't listen to me. Here's the things, anything that follows the statement, I feel, with something that's actually an opinion or a thought is not a feeling. You have to use this kind of formula here when you load the dishwasher with the forks facing up, even though we've talked about it 10,000 times. I feel sad. I feel hurt. I feel frustrated. I feel disappointed. You have to use a feeling word there because a thought is not a feeling, an opinion is not a feeling, it's got to be, and this is honestly for me, this has been one of the biggest pieces of work, is taking the the interpretation that I'm making based on their behavior and just bringing it back to what I feel. So when you blank, I feel blank. So for this example, when you give me unsolicited advice, I feel hurt because I think that you don't think I'm responsible for living alone at college for four years. So this person in this example says that I feel hurt and then follows it with the interpretation. The story that I'm telling myself is that you don't think that I'm adult enough, whatever. And then state your request clearly, respectfully, and specifically. For example, I'd like to ask that you refrain from giving me advice unless I ask for it. Um, And then the listener has some responsibilities to uh, come forward with on the other side of this. So the listener needs to actually consider the request and share your perspective. Like the mom in this example might say, well, I had no idea this was impacting you. I, uh, I see I can be overprotective at times. The listener does need to say if you're willing to do all of it or any of it, or none of it. (laughs) Sorry, I refuse to put the forks in the dishwasher, tongs up. Like they must just go down. It's the way I was raised. My mom told me it was the best way, so whatever it might be. Um, Say if you're willing to do all of it, some of it or none of it. And then you need to agree between the two of you um, about that and review your plan and make a plan to review it in a few weeks. Like, okay, anytime that um, I feel like you have crossed this boundary, I'm gonna give you kind of a code word like, oh, 
The example used in this book was gotcha, which to me feels kind of passive aggressive, like, hmm, gotcha. <laughs> but I think it's just meant to be more like a, just a, a flagged word that you agree upon between the two of you. So review your plan, make a plan to review it in a few weeks. So can you see how these steps to a clean fight can help bring up something that's bothering you, actually release a little bit of tension, and help us begin to build the skills to become peacemakers? This is the thing that I think our world so desperately needs is makers of peace. Some of the good news that a lot of us need to hear is that Jesus died to put an end to discord and Jesus died so that the things that we have between us as people and the things that we have between us and God don't get the last say. They don't get the final word on our relationships. And that's really, really good news. Um, so with that, I'm gonna invite Ben and Katie on up. We have your stools all ready. Why don't you guys all say, welcome Ben and Katie. Uh, so Ben and Katie have been hopesters for a hot minute. Katie was on staff um, at a different campus of Hope for a while. And I think both of you were on the um, leadership team for Revive Des Moines for a while, if I'm correct, yes. So I'm really excited that you're all here tonight. Um, I've asked Ben and Katie because I know them, because I trust them, and also because Katie is an Enneagram 8, if you know what that is, and Ben is an Enneagram 9, if you know what that is. Yeah, we have a peacemaker <laughs> and a rhinoceros, <laughs> and so, which is one of the animals of the Enneagram. I, I didn't. thought it was just a personal description. Yeah, yeah. no. You're... <laughs> so I'm wondering if the two of you would be willing to just share with us a little bit about what conflict has looked like for the two of you in, uh, for the two of you in your relationship. You've been married, I think you said, for seven years. Yeah. Yes. Um, what do you have to share with us tonight? Mm. Okay. Uh, conflict has grown and changed over the course of our marriage and our relationship before that. We dated for four years before that because we were met when we were really little. And so it's changed quite a bit. I think that we were talking about this in advance because obviously we were okay getting into like this much conflict up here, but not this much conflict up here. And that it maybe looked okay for the first would you say like three or four years of our marriage? It like looked okay on the outside. Like we had pretty good looking conflict, but it was the sneaky type where we weren't yelling at each other, we weren't screaming at each other, but we had really unhealthy patterns underneath that um, and we weren't doing it well. And then probably about three years ago, we started going to marriage counseling and that really helped. So how would you describe it? Yeah, no, I... Totally right, everything you said. I, oh. I think for me, <laughs> that, that's how you win. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think coming in my, I think the two biggest things I've learned, I mean, based on the Enneagram, I don't love conflict, it's draining for me. You love conflict, um, or you're like willing to get into it at least. Yeah, um, yeah I do. But um, it's never about the thing that it's about. Um, first off. And second off, for me, I'm a fixer, right? So I come into the conflict, I say, what can I do to make this stop? You want to be heard, want to engage in the conflict. Mm -hmm. Those are very different things. Um, and so a lot of times we would find ourselves passing ships, like trying to fight, trying to have conflict and get through it and not really doing it. So we just do it again and again and again. And it was horrible. 
Um, I thought you maybe loved it. I don't know. <laughs> no, because even though I am okay with conflict, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of engaging, it, it isn't the good type when you're passing ships like that. It's like um, 45 minutes, and then everyone just kind of peters out because you're tired. Like, nothing good has happened in that conflict, but we were trying. Yeah. And we were probably avoiding a healthy dose of stuff, too. Mm. One of the things that I chuckled at when we were meeting before this was mm-hmm. one of you, I think it was you, Katie, had said, like, I didn't know this was going to be a thing. Like, I thought this was going to be, like, a benign thing. And then maybe 45 minutes later, it has oh. clearly turned into a thing. I don't know what a specific thing would be, right, for you, but... Yeah, that some fights you enter into, you might have something that you're trying to figure out with the other person, like, oh, this is not a big deal. Oh, is this a good time to use the example of the other day? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Let us talk to you about the other day. Okay, this is a great one because it was kind of a made-up example, and so we had the opportunity to not get too emotionally invested in it because there wasn't, like, too much on the, on the table. This is about whether or not you would pick someone up at an airport or a concert or wherever around one o'clock in the morning. So both of us <laughs> like to go to bed early. <laughs> I just like that you're laughing about the story. So anyway, that is the question of whether or not we would or wouldn't. I asked, do you think you'd be willing to pick me up at a particular situation? And you were like, I would drop you off. I would yeah. not pick you up. I'll take you at nine. You can find your own way home at one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. Okay, interesting. Do you, is it because of what I'm doing? It, what if this was an, like an airport situation? What if this was a flight? Like, neutral circumstances, no one can be mad at you for taking a flight. Would you pick me up at one o'clock? And you were like... I, I said I might. It kind of <laughs> depends. Um, yeah. But probably not still. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a grown lady. Uh-huh. You can get back from the airport at one o'clock. And you were like, yeah. And I probably had things being set on my face. And you were like, well, would you pick me up at one o'clock in the morning? And I was like, yes. (laughs) Yes, I would. (laughs) And then that was when all of a sudden, like in that minute of you, like as we're escalating of like, would you pick me up? Would I pick you up? And we realizing we're in different pages. Like that is the moment when that fight stopped being about anything to do with cars and being picked up and became like a, why don't you love me? Why don't you love me enough to let me stay in bed? <laughs> but then we know each other well enough yeah. that we were able to say, what's it really about, right, mm-hmm. at the end of the day? So for you, oh, was, yeah. you feel valued that someone would go out of their way to wake up late and pick you up. Mm-hmm. I feel valued on the other side if someone said, don't come pick me up, it's fine, I will let you do your thing, and I'll find my own way home. Mm-hmm. So we, we both are trying to show love in a very different way. Mm. We didn't and think this didn't would be that. spicy at all. This was like a, hey, let me arbitrarily ask this comment. <laughs> we ultimately made it into Costco, but like the place there. We sat in the car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a trip. <laughs> yeah. uh, are there things that you have picked up about your conflict communication styles of um, the way that you communicate in conflict? I feel like we've kind of like poked around in there a little bit, but is there anything else you want to say about maybe realizations that you've uncovered about how you miss each other and what steps you took or what tools helped you to begin to actually get on the same page when you realize that you're just like ships missing each other in the night when you're communicating in conflict? Yeah, I would say the first thing, um, probably the biggest thing for us has been doing counseling for, so we both do our individual counseling, but we will go to a marital counselor as well. Um, 
We love That's counseling. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, you should go. Highly recommend. Um, but that was really nice because you have somebody who is objective in the middle, is trained to understand, right, all the different ways somebody could approach conflict and can help you translate. And that has been really helpful for us in terms of developing an understanding of where each of us is coming from so that we can start to actually hear each other. Um, you talked about how you're interpreting things. Um, we did a lot of, I said one thing and I meant it one way and it was taken another way and I had no idea and vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, and so the more you get to know each other and the more you get to know that type of conflict style, what you're really after, um, it's really helpful to diffuse things um, and be able to get to the root issue and then get out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Which maybe that's me wanting to avoid conflict. But um, it's been really great. Yeah, I think it honestly, not, this should be meant as an encouragement. It's kind of unrealistic to think that you're gonna be able to perfectly understand or communicate with your partner or your family member or whoever it is. You're two different people, you've grown up in different families or you haven't, but regardless, even if this is like a family type of conflict, every person, their style, their story outside of that family is different. And having a neutral third party, I think one of the biggest things too is even just your body language, which I would not have said that I was picking up on at all. Um, and I don't know if you would say that for yourself of whether or not in a fight moment, I'm actively assessing your body language and reading into it or vice versa. But there have definitely been times when we're fighting in front of our marriage counselor, because we will bring things to her. <laughs> like, we paused, we're ready to play, you tell us what we're doing wrong yep. here. <laughs> and mercifully, she does. But she will call us out, too, of like, tell me more about why you're each hugging the armrests on opposite sides of the couch. Or like, I tell straight up... Tell me why up, you're squinting while they're talking. Yeah, I got called out for <laughs> like having stink face. Not just stink eye, like stink face. Um, yeah, there's just stuff you can't... You can't know. We're not going to fight in front of a mirror. Mm. So, yeah. What are some things that the two of you do individually before you, like when you're each <laughs> preparing for a spicy conversation, mm -hmm. what are the things that you do that you feel like individually set you up for success as people who have different kind of conflict styles or love of conflict? And then what are things that you do together when you're in the conversation to set that spicy or potentially spicy conversation up for success? Yeah. In advance, I think that I try to figure out what is actually bothering me. So whatever, you said this already, I think, it's never about the thing you're fighting about. So the forks, yeah, are actually because someone doesn't love you. Yeah, that's very, very true. And you don't think it is until you start digging and you find that stuff. And so spending a little bit of time trying to figure out on my own, because I will figure it out faster and better if it's not in the heat of the moment. Okay, this is really bugging me dig a little bit, why do I think it's bugging me? What am I hoping to get out of this? So doing a little bit of that work, but not spending too much time in that space where I'm rehearsing the fight so that I am not only trying to figure out what is going on on my side, I'm starting to predict what might be going on on his side. Um, that can just be an easy thing to mentally do depending on everyone's brain works differently. And so for my brain, it will just start going into the future pretty quickly that way without me even realizing it's happening. And um, if I can stop that from happening, stop after I get to like self-evaluation, we're in a better zone because I don't actually know what's going on inside of him. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, for me, I, I think one of my tendencies is to make up my mind and kind of treat it like a debate more than an argument and more conflict. And so I have 
the thing that I think is right at the end of the day. And so I go into it trying to convince you that I'm right, um, which goes over super well every time. Um, but for me then, it's important to try and step back from that. I, I don't have the answers, right? I am one person, I have one viewpoint. Um, try and really convince myself of that, I guess, and try and be more open as I go into it. Um, and also then to think about putting myself in your shoes um, because that's not something I naturally do. Mm. Um, that is something you naturally do. And so I think it's helpful to, again, trying to interpret where the other person's maybe coming from, what they're trying to drive at. Um, it's helpful to think about it from their perspective and kind of take myself out of the equation of my own thoughts. Um, and it helps me to come in more open and receptive. Mm. And then together, we were talking about this before, and we have really turned down the pace of our fighting, and we fight pretty slowly, which does mean it lasts longer. But there's something about turning down that intensity of speed. It's like building in a couple few seconds for you to maybe not say the first thing that's on your tongue is definitely <laughs> um, helpful on a whole. Like the pregnant pause is like very alive in our relationship in fighting because you can see be like, hmm. But that's enough time to collect yourself to say, I feel, hmm, and then find your words, so, yeah. As people who approach conflict differently, or at least did seven to 10 years ago, what do you feel like you have each learned from the other person about handling conflict or engaging with conflict? I think I've learned that engaging is a healthy thing. Um, but again, back to my tendency, I would love to just find a way to move on and never really talk about it and never really deal with it because that's way more comfortable. Um, but that doesn't actually bring any lasting peace, right? You're not making peace at that point. You're keeping it and you're trying to brush it under the rug. Um, and it's great in the moment. It's more comfortable. It's faster. Um, but at the end of the day, it gets you to a way worse spot because you come back to the same thing over and over. You start to harbor resentment because there's other things that trigger that same thing. Um, so actually engaging with it is a really healthy thing, as uncomfortable as it might be. Uh, I think that this will be hard to articulate, but his demeanor in a fight, I just get spicy. And I get, <laughs> get spicy real quick. And especially 10 years ago, I... Didn't have any good practice fighting with anyone. I fought with my sister more than anyone before that and there was a lot of door slamming and fingers getting stuck <laughs> in those doors. And so as I tried to grow up and become an adult, Ben tends to approach things more logically from the get-go. Like my heart is instantly involved and his head will go there first instead. And that has been something that over time of fighting primarily with him more than anybody, that has forced me to engage my head a little quicker in the process, and that has been a really positive thing because you don't just need to be spewing feelings at each other. Like, you do need the logic in that situation. Like, we're trying to problem solve. This isn't just like a, yeah. But the other side of that is you also need the emotions, right? Yeah. And for me, that was one that that's harder to engage with in a fight. It's way easier to distance myself and to, you know, again, try and get to a conclusion um, and that happens a lot faster if you're not engaging with those emotions. But again, then you don't really get to the thing you need to get to. Mm, yeah. I think this is my last question for you, and then I'm going to ask if there's anything else you want to share about conflict, lessons learned, tips, tricks, whatever. 
Um, and I didn't prep you for this question, so I am gonna just vamp a little and let you think about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering how your faith or like your maturing as followers of Jesus has um, shed some light or some perspective on your conflict, either with each other, with how you engage in conflict in the world, um, as people who approach kind of conflict in your own ways very differently. I'm, I'm just wondering how as followers of Jesus, you feel like that has shaped you or formed how you approach conflict in any additional ways that you maybe haven't said. Pregnant pause, fantastic. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. (laughs) I think that especially in the brand, I guess you would call it, of Christianity that I grew up in and so the relationship with God I had when I was in my younger life, it was very much the idea that being the peacekeeper is, would be the Christ-like behavior. That would be the godly thing to do. And if you wanna just go ahead and throw some interesting things in there about gender norms too, it would be as a female, a godly woman, that I would be to conduct myself in a certain way. And as I got older and got to know God more and the person that he made me to be, it became really apparent that um, there is a lot of room for sharing your bold with logic sprinkled in, (laughs) always, um, feelings and convictions, and that absolutely that is a responsible and healthy choice to make as a wife in a marriage and um, just as a person in the world. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, um, it's interesting. If I think about like the character of God, we're all a piece of that. Right, and so one of the cool things about being married is I found somebody totally different who is a totally different piece of God, and that helps me see a fuller picture of what God is supposed to look like, uh, what God intended us to look like, all of that. And so I think for me, it, being married has really been a, a beneficial thing for my own faith. So I'm kind of like getting there in a roundabout way, but. Um, <laughs> But that has helped me to mature my own faith and to understand God more fully. And I feel like through that, um, understand how God wants you to approach many things, including conflict. But it's Mm. just, I think, a lot of the stuff we've talked about, like what have I learned from you? What are the things you bring to the table versus me? Um, I think it just really makes the whole thing more God-like. We're not the same, and that's exactly the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Mm. I love that. Any other things you want to share about conflict, fighting clean? How to not fight dirty. (laughs) Mm. Don't involve people unnecessarily. Just say no. There's a lot of head nodding happening out there. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah, I think one for for me in particular is don't walk away. Um, You can definitely, there is a place for, I have spent all that I can spend right now on this fight. That has happened many times for us. And then Can you imagine to, that being said to me during a fight? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean, which is great. Um, but at some point you have to take a break, right? Like you're just beating your head against the wall if you keep going at it and you're not getting anywhere, everyone's getting more frustrated. And like, there's a place for that, but don't approach that out of like, a, I'm sick of being here, I don't wanna deal with this anymore. Approach that from like, I can't be a productive member of this conversation anymore. Mm. That's okay, but there's not okay ways, there's bad ways to leave as well, so don't do that. Yeah, awesome. Ben and Katie, thank you so much for being here. We praise God for Ben and Katie.
As the band comes back up and as we uh, close out worship tonight, I invite you to just kind of think about all of the different things that have been said, all the things that have been helpful. Maybe if you haven't already written on an index card already, just write down one thing that you want to remember about handling conflict, about fighting clean, about not fighting dirty. And or if there's a prayer that you would like to write about a relationship where you are currently feeling a lot of tension and conflict and you need some um, help with that, I would invite you to just kind of take a moment here and just sit and be with that and process and pray about it. And then we'll continue with worship. Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines, and we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.